0: Welcome to the MarTech
1: Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss the strategy and usage tactics behind building a marketing list. Joining us is Brian Kurtz, who is the founder and CEO of Titans Marketing, which is a consultancy focused on list building and making the connection between out-of-home and digital marketing. Brian is also the author of Overdeliver, How to Build a Business of a Lifetime, playing the long game of direct response marketing. And Today, Brian and I are going to talk about the process that he uses to build and or buy a marketing list. Okay, here's my interview with Brian Kurtz, the founder and CEO of Titans Marketing. Brian, welcome to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Great to be here. I'm excited about our conversation today.
1: Excited to have you on the show. Always great to connect with a fellow marketer and somebody with a tremendous amount of experience, and you're an author as well. So it's an honor to have you on the show. Just to start off, I mentioned that you're a founder of a consultancy and you're also an author. Give us the 10,000 foot view. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your company.
2: I'll give you a 40-year career in two minutes. I spent 34 years helping build the company Boardroom Inc., which was a newsletter and book publisher, also a marketing, iconic marketing company. And when I left, I decided that those who've done it need to teach it. And the guy who wrote my forward to my book, Jay Abraham, actually says it's my moral responsibility to teach it, but he kind of lays into me when I'm not teaching it. So I'm committed now for the next 34 years to teach everything that I did and plus keep learning about digital marketing and how my experience in offline and online applies to everything that's state-of-the-art today. In my new company, Titans Marketing, which is about five years old, instead of marketing to millions of consumers with newsletters and books... I market to businesses that have major direct response marketing arms, or they are a direct response business itself. And I'm trying to have them go out and multiply and go forth and seek out as many customers as they can using the techniques that I use at boardroom.
1: So you have a long and prolific marketing career, which has spanned the pre-digital revolution and obviously now getting into the use of data and technology, new formats of marketing. Talk to me a little bit about how you see the purpose of building a marketing list and how has that changed from the pre-digital era to the way that we think about building a marketing list today?
2: So chapter three of my book is how paying postage made me a better marketer. And it's not because direct mail was better or worse than digital marketing, but we didn't have digital marketing in the 1980s. So in building a list, it was really about, you had to go out with the best offer, a lot of times sending out an offer without getting any money upfront, what we called a bill me offer. And the best way to build a list was through aggressive promotion through an offer that was either a bill me, a trial, a free book, And the thing about that is that in direct mail, you could do credit screens up front. So today online, you'd be very reluctant to send out a $30 book that costs you maybe $8 to someone without getting any money up front. Whereas in the days of when I was doing direct mail, you could do it because you could have credit screens, you'd know where the bad debt people are before you mail to them, so you wouldn't mail to them. And then you could mail to people who were more credit worthy and therefore you could build a list a lot faster without losing your shirt. So that was a big, big difference in how we built our list at Boardroom in terms of bill me offers.
1: So this is pre-digital era, and you're able to screen people based on what their credit score is. So you're going and somehow collecting people's information, running to see who has good credit, and then you're sending a book to them that is a sale price of $30 takes you 5 bucks for the book and 3 bucks for the mail. Is the idea that somebody is going to pay you if they keep the book?
2: Right. So the way you do it, and by the way, the credit screens, you could do it with outside data. But a lot of times with our house list, our house list was very large, we had a lot of data on our house file that we knew like people who already had taken a book and didn't return it or uh, took a subscription and didn't pay. So we had suppression files on our house file that we were able to use as well that we didn't need outside data for that we wouldn't mail again. Fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. You no. Know. So you're sending everybody,
1: hey, here's all the people that I think are qualified. Here's my product. And if you don't return it, I'm going to send you a bill.
2: Actually, the book went out with a bill on top of it. We call that an acknowledgement, but it actually was an invoice. So just to give you the sense of how this was done, the book went out in the mail, cardboard box addressed with an envelope on the outer box. And when they ripped off the envelope and went inside, it was actually acknowledgement of their order, and there was an invoice in there. Now, it repeated the offer in the original promotion that said, yes, if you keep the book, you have to pay for it, or return it to us, no obligation. And if they kept the book and didn't pay on that bill, they'd be in a billing series reminding them that they have our book in their house, and they have to pay.
1: Then eventually you bill them until they go into collections. So there's a step before that, which is how are you collecting the people's information of who you want to actually send your book to?
2: Actually, because we were looking for people who would be very direct mail responsive, you know, we were a consumer book and newsletter publisher. So we were renting Money Magazine and we were renting Consumer Reports and we were renting some catalog lists. So there were a lot of response lists out there that you would rent for one-time use. And that was a big part of our mailing. And then the other part of our mailing was our house file, which were people who might have subscribed to one of our newsletters who bought another book from us. And we were able to use the house file and all the outside lists. And that was the list that we went out with to then build this new list of whatever the product was.
1: Okay, so just to restate, and this goes into, you know, is it better to build or buy your list? And you're doing both in this example, pre-digital era, you're going and you're saying, "Hey, I'm looking for people that are already using or already responsive to direct mail as a marketing channel." They're subscribing to magazines, they're buying books, right? People that have already purchased something through the mail. And then you also have your list file, your in-house data, which you're then saying, hey, these are our existing customers. We're going to continue to send them things and continue to provide them with offers to try to sell them. So you have your own retargeting list, and then you're buying data from other sources of people that are known to be purchasers through direct mail. And that's really your build versus buy. You're doing both. Right. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. So help me connect that marketing strategy of you have a retargeting list and you're going out and you're collecting data and buying it from other sources of people that are likely going to convert through this type of marketing channel to what's happening today in the digital world.
2: Right. So in the digital world, I mean, it's a lot harder to rent email lists, what we say, you know, outside email lists that are going to respond well. So the key is that you have to develop an email list. And one of the best ways to do that is through a webinar. One is through a launch. So you do a product launch formula type launch where you do three pieces of content and then you open the cart and you have a course for whatever, $2,000. But you're giving away a lot of content up front, which is a very different operation than what we had in direct mail, which is direct mail, you're paying postage and printing. So your original promotion has to sell. Whereas in online, it's actually on the one hand easier because you're doing it through the content, it's not as expensive to send out, but you have to really give away a lot more content and a lot more value before you get somebody to pay you. So it's a different process, but it's somewhat the same because you're looking for people who are most like the people that you think will buy. And one of the best ways to do that, like in the launch or in the affiliate marketing, That's an amazing way to build a list because if you can find an affiliate or another marketer that has a list of people that is similar to yours, they will actually mail for you your offer and they'll endorse it and it would be something that their audience would like and then you split the profit. So you're not in the direct mail situation if you're going out to an outside list, you're paying a cost per thousand for the list. And in the email and online area, more times than not, It's more of an affiliate deal where someone's mailing for you because they're not giving you their list, but they're mailing for you, and then you split the sales 50-50. But if you do an opt-in, as opposed to selling something online, you actually get the names onto your list, and then you can try to sell them over time. So it's a different process, some similarities, and some differences.
1: So the idea in the pre-digital era is you are building a list, whether you're collecting data from outside vendors or they're your retargeting list, your existing customers, you're going to filter that down and segment it to the people that you think are specifically likely to be your customers. And then you're just sending them a book. And if they don't return it, you're going to start charging them. So your investment is really in the production of the book and the postage. And obviously, the cost it is to get your data to understand who you're going to send your list to. But the cost is really an upfront cost of getting your product into the person's hands. And then there's some effort on the back end to try to do collections. And the difference now in the digital era is you're not sending physical products to people. Your investment goes into still acquiring the data, making sure that you are building a list in an appropriate fashion. But then you have to develop more content up front to try to sell people into the idea of purchasing the product on the back end as opposed to just sending it to them and hoping you can collect.
2: Yeah. And the tricky part in the online area is that the products are usually digital. So you're not going to send somebody a digital product for free and then hope they pay for it. So you've got to give them enough content to say, I really want this product. I've gotten a lot of good value from the promotion, whether the three videos and a webinar, and now we're going to sell you the product for $2,000, but they have to give you the credit card and then you deliver it digitally. That is different. But the interesting thing, and to connect the two, is that the one thing that's missing in today's marketing environment is doing offline marketing to an online list. And you'd say, well, why would you want to do that? You just bypassed all of the costs in offline marketing and you bypassed all of the heavy lifting, as it were, on direct mail, and you got them on a digital product. So you're golden, you're all set. But the thing is, if someone buys a $2,000 digital product, You don't know what else they might buy in the succession. And then I believe that many more companies who are in that world could actually come back to an offline, a physical product, because they've already established that this person has creditworthiness. They've already bought a digital product. And if they don't return it, why not create a physical product, either a version of the digital or a more advanced product, or even a course that's not part of that, And you could find out what part of your list prefers digital, what part of your list prefers physical, and some could do both, some could do one or the other, and some could do in addition to. So I think that there's a, in my book, I call it O to O to O. So this idea of offline to online to offline, it's really you want to meet the customer where they want to be met as opposed to what you feel like doing. And although most things are online today and most things are digital, Direct mail doesn't have the growth that it had, but it certainly has a place in the marketing environment. And I see some amazing situations where you've got people buying digital product, but they're able to then create a physical product in addition to. So it's an and, not an or. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity in marketing today to do both.
1: I do think that there's value in understanding who your customers are. And once you know that you have someone who is a customer, whether you're selling them an offline or an online product, whatever else you offer, they're your highest probability purchasers. Right. I want to go back to the mechanics of actually building the list. Let's say I am launching a book or a digital product, right? And we're in the digital era now, and I'm flat-footed. I've got friends and family, and I don't have a large list that I've built up. What should I be doing to attract people to build my email list, if it's a physical product, to get the addresses, to actually have a large enough audience to A, start testing my messaging and B, start selling my products? How do you go about physically building the list or acquiring one?
2: If it was direct mail, so let me start there, you'd be able to rent lists, rent outside lists, And since you don't have a list of your own, you can rent any list and you want to rent lists that are going to be most applicable to your product. And that's a whole process in itself. You go to a list broker, you look at the most obvious list that you could find and you test a few, you get some response, some work, some don't, and then you go on and you pyramid on some other ones. Online, I think the most interesting way to do it and the most cost effective way to do it is to do it through affiliates or through a launch. So if you have a new digital product, you have no list, and you want to go out and find lists, you want to go find people who have lists that are either similar, you're going to go by the same process that you would if you were in direct mail, because you want to find lists, but you have to dig a lot deeper, because you have to really research who's got the products that would be most applicable to your product and set up an affiliate. So an affiliate deal is usually 50-50 on the sales. One of the things you might have to do if you're new to the market, you probably have to make some promises to them on reciprocity so that when you do have a list of your own that you'll then do a reciprocal affiliate deal for them to launch their product to your list. But I think that's probably the easiest way because you don't have to put out money for the list. You can get good lists, but you have to spend half the revenue to get the list. And you can do that in a variety of ways in terms of getting the names from that affiliate. So you can either offer a webinar, and the people opt in, and then you have a list of opt-ins. Some of those are gonna buy your product, some of those won't, but you'll have those opt-ins for later. Sometimes you will do a launch, so it's three pieces of content, maybe a webinar, and then a cart open, and then a cart closed, so you have some buyers but you also have all those opt-ins that didn't buy and you can use them for another launch or something else. And then sometimes you can just do an affiliate deal where an email, where they will send an email on your behalf, offer your product, there's an affiliate link, and for every order they get half the money. But that's probably the best way to launch a new product if you don't have a list. So the difference is finding outside email lists that are gonna convert are gonna be very, very difficult. And then within the launch or within the affiliate deal, you can try some Facebook ads and you can try some Instagram ads. Those won't be the bulk of what you do, but you'll get some stuff around the edges. And that's how you begin to build a list.
1: Okay. So if I had to recap some of the things that you're saying, if you're looking to build a list and you're focused on direct mail, are there list brokers that you recommend like who are best in class?
2: I hate to say this, but it's a little bit commoditized. That everybody has access basically the same lists. They have to be creative in their list selection, list segmentation of the list that everybody can get. And that separates the good from the bad. But I think anybody who is practicing list brokerage at one of the large list brokerage companies, and those include American List Council, the specialists, Info USA, there are some big list brokerages. And you want to find in that company, a list broker that might know your category, might know what you do. So, you know, you can go to SRDS, which is the standard rate and data service, which is a directory of lists, a directory of brokers and managers, and take a look and see where the lists are that are closely related to your list, And then see if there's someone in that brokerage, call that company, and see if there's someone in the brokerage area that knows Women's clothing, if you're in women's clothing, or high tech, if you're in high tech. But it's actually important, even though it's commoditized, what you want is someone who understands your category, which is very important.
1: Okay. And on the digital side, you recommend going through affiliates to do your list building. And so this is looking for someone who is in a similar category that has already done some marketing and is willing to do marketing on your behalf at a cost per acquisition model, and that de-risks your launch costs. Are there affiliate channels or places to find the right affiliates that you recommend?
2: Yeah. I mean, I know that they're affiliate networks and that's everything like ClickBank and there's a couple of other ones that are very, very broad. So you're going to have really good affiliates and really not so good. And that's why the best way to find an affiliate is one by one. I mean, you want to find someone with a big list, but also that is reputable, that's selling good product, that is someone that you actually want to do business with because going out to an affiliate network, it's basically throwing out your offer and seeing whoever's going to take it and that could be good and bad but if you can actually go look for your affiliates one by one you're going to find people who are much more in tune with what you're doing and it's funny you know there are people who have been doing launches for years and affiliate deals for years and it's always like the 80/20 rule that 20% of your affiliates get you 80% of your business or maybe In some cases, it's 10% of your affiliates get you 90% of your business. And that's because they're relationships that are developed over a period of time. If you're just starting out and you want to go to an affiliate network just to get some traction on your offer, that's one way to go. But I think long-term, you're going to want to look for particular... Because I think a real affiliate becomes a real partner. And that's a much better way to go about it.
1: I think at the end of the day, when you're thinking about list building, there's a couple different ways to approach it. No matter what your channel is, you're looking for strategic partners, people that already have access to the type of people that you're marketing to, or you can go out and create your own list. And that requires you to do your customer acquisition, whether it be lead generation through content marketing, right? You can buy your way in. Generally, it's more efficient and faster to go buy a list that already exists. And then the question becomes, well, what's the quality of that list? So as you mentioned, it really does come down to the quality of the partnerships and the way that you're able to target.
2: And that's true offline and online with the brokers and managers in offline to make sure that you're getting good lists and in online, the quality of your affiliates and people that you're doing exchanges with.
1: Okay, great advice. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Brian Kurtz, the founder and CEO of Titans Marketing for joining us. In part two of our interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Brian and I are going to talk about how to make the most out of your marketing lists. If you can't wait until your next episode and you'd like to learn more about Brian, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can visit his website, which is overdeliverbook.com just one link in our show notes that I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of our episodes, contact information for our guests, and you can also sign up for our once a week newsletter. If you have questions about marketing or the Martech podcast, you can also go to benjshap.com question to send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our interview with Brian Kurtz, the CEO of Titans Marketing, we're going to publish an episode every day during the Work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.